Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One comrade. And one comrade. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Travi Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 258. Gotta be careful with the C word. You'll get some McCarthyists coming after you. Let them come. Okay. <laughs> you gonna, you gonna climb a tree and shoot them? Wait for the two days. No, I'm going to have... First, you have to have an elaborate... Okay, first you, you find a enemy soldier, and you intimidate them, strip them of their weapon, and make them... And you tie them to a tree. We're gonna, Don't be giving away the ending. <laughs> we're getting away of our, We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to be talking about... Yeah, giving away the ending in the intro. That's not the ending. Not really. It's only a step in the ending. We're talking about Sarah by Garth Ennis and Steve Epting uh, later on in our book club. Soviet snipers stories, more alliteration, maybe something about Steve Epting's name. It seems like the last half of like the first half of his name is missing. I don't know what it is. Things shouldn't start with Ept. It's weird. You know what, Eric? It seems like there's like a you're you have like some you're, you do you have a war against names? Do I? Seems like sometimes you do. Okay. It's like you're a Highlander. Is that what I am? You're like a name Highlander. Okay. I'm still workshopping this this concept. It's going to take some time. I'm going to say this is this is this is less a C minus at best. Okay. We'll talk about that stuff later. It probably won't be about all about Steve Efting's name, probably more about <laughs> murdering people in the World War 2. Mhm. Uh we can start the show with our first segment. It is time for Floppy's for Daily. Bobby Sword Eyelids is the part show. Eric and I will read a selection of this past couple of weeks' books and tell you to buy or do not buy them. So Mushy Meter goes from one to five if we are feeling particularly mushy about our decision. Our first book of the week is Strange Adventures, number one, written by Tom King, with art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner, with letters by Clayton Cowles. It's pretty neat. We get more Mr. Miracle. It's like, it feels like a sequel to Mr. Miracle. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, this is, this is Mitch, right? This is Mitch Gerard's with, Mitch, um, Mitch yeah. and Mitch, Mitch and doing, Mitch doing the real world art mm-hmm. and Doc doing the fantasy world art, mm-hmm. which it, that it, works I mean, for me. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I'll take it. Yeah. I, I love, I love both of those dudes. They've done some gorgeous shit and this is great mostly this not is... a nine panel grid too i'll say that i guess that's true he left his formalism behind after he, he got called out by karen gillen i think it was time anyway yeah there's there's a couple nine panel pages in here but that's you know they're mm-hmm. they're not the the they're not it's clearly not all pages there's nine nothing, panel there's, yeah there's nothing wrong with it no not at all you can have nine nine panel pages are perfectly fine 
uh just you know not having them in every page be make it be the watchman again um i don't know i really i still really like this i i i'm i'm it's another book where i'm gonna just wait for the wait for them to finish this and i'll buy a trade and we'll probably read it on this podcast because <laughs> that's the thing we do mm-hmm. but i i like this i think it's interesting um adam strange is not a character i'm really familiar with yeah me neither but it's not like it's complicated. <laughs> at least the at least the classic version of him, the the fantasy version of him is like he's a, you know he's a pulp hero. That's not that complicated. I was not expecting Batman to make an appearance in this comic book though. I guess that's also true. I wasn't. I was. I was a little surprised to see it, but you know, it really isn't that unusual to see Tom King writing Batman. <laughs> no, I believe it's happened a time or two, <laughs> once or twice. I uh, believe what's even stranger is the DC Universe equivalent of Ryan Seacrest. See, that doesn't that doesn't feel strange to me at all. <laughs> the you you you're you're not weirded out by the funky Flashman version of Ryan Seacrest. Nope, not really. As <laughs> <laughs> we know, Jack Kirby created Ryan Seacrest. If we were if I was if we were still titling the episodes with stupid saying <laughs> stupid things we say during the episode that would be the title for this episode you mean stupid things that i say <laughs> i mean not all the time it really was it's just the first thing that some either of us say that is dumb it was just a bat shit insane yeah. yeah i don't know i'm a buy on this this is it's you know like you, you put these guys on a book i'm just gonna go yeah buy it even mm, if, of course yeah even if it's not like i would even if this book was bad like it can't i don't know how it could be but even if it was i would still want to read it because mm-hmm. i want to know what they're doing um but having mitch and My, doc on this book yeah 100 oh absolutely the the literal only complaint i have is that it feels very very similar to mr miracle but it the, the story shape already does not look like it's gonna copy that too much but we're going to see. I, I hope it doesn't explore quite as many of the same things as that. I mean, it's it's I think that's the interesting thing. It's very much like I want to see what they it, they do. I want to see, like, how does it how yeah. does it how does it go? I, I'm super curious, like just even on a like a like, you know, they they themselves compared to Mr. Miracle at certain points. So, I you know, it, Tom King's all of his stuff has had a lot of connections between it and I that conversation with between his work is almost as fascinating as the work itself to me sometimes. Uh double buy, Strange Adventures number one. Uh and I, I we're gonna probably read it in a book club in a year. Just you know, when twelve issues are out, we'll probably read it. Uh next up, Strange Academy number one. Written by Scotty Young, art Humberto Ramos, colors Edgar Delgado, letters Clayton Cows. Hey, Eric. Yes. Do you remember a little a little comic book called Mystic U? Um. Yeah. wasn't that long ago? It was a DC book where mm-hmm. a, a, a a magic school set in the DC universe. Now, I, I, this is going to be hard for you to wrap your brain around. All right, it's a very complicated thing. I am. I am very dumb. But imagine that, except it's all Marvel characters. I know. That's the sound of my mind exploding. I think it's funny that you immediately go for Mystic U and not 
all the other million things that are exactly this that are on the table. Well, I mean, it's in, yeah, including, it's, including literal like this is Strange Academy, Gotham Academy. Yeah, Gotham um, Academy didn't really Harry have fucking Potter. Gotham Academy <laughs> didn't have any magic users. It was just rich kids. Uh, Harry Potter, yes, obviously that popular is, culture. You you really misunderestimate. I like I said misunderestimate. That's great. Uh, how how powerful money is? It definitely is magic. <laughs> God, social commentary. Ooh, we'll get that. We got mm-hmm. we got that's a different that's comic right, book, comrade. That's a different comic book in about you know three eps, three three comics from now. Um, so yeah, a bunch of kids, <laughs> Dread Dormammu's son is here. <laughs> he just he just looks like cartoon the Human Torch. Uh, Dormammu always looked weird, but this is this is very just he's uh, he's so weird looking. He's like he's like guy on fire emoji. Uh, what do you you got? Twin Asgard's uh, Asgardians. We got a fairy. We got uh knight. Some god kid. Uh, yeah. What I I I want to dunk on this, but like I I actually kind of like it. It's it's gone. All the way back around on the stupid dial and is back on acceptably dumb. You know, it. I, I, I kind of like what they're doing, and honestly, this is my favorite Ramos art. I actually really like it. I lo- I like the way this looks, and I don't know. I have a good time reading this. I don't think it's bad. I just find myself particularly like, eh, it's okay. Okay, it, I uh, like it's fine. I don't, I, I was, I was, um, it's not bad. It's, I think it is, you take this idea, it, it seems like, yeah, Ramos, Ramos's art is certainly more palatable to me in this than in, in a lot of stuff he's done. Yeah. I, I have a question and I don't think I would have come up at all for me if I hadn't read, if we hadn't read X-Men this week, mm-hmm. but Scarlet Witch, uh, seems to, <laughs> seems to be on the, the mutants shit list. This, I mean, I can't imagine why. I, yeah, it's confusing. But then you have like the the the, the faculty on a, on one of these pages here, and magic is right standing right next to the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And no, nothing about. <laughs> it, or maybe that will be a plot point later on. Maybe they'll. I I, th- I think that um, I think uh, Scotty Young probably isn't going to be as much of a slave to. Uh, the Jonathan Hickman continuity is, I don't think it, I think he's not thinking about that. Yeah, that's probably true. It, it's just, this was at the top of my head because I, I always read X-Men first. So mm-hmm. it's like, I was literally like, Oh, Scarlet Witch. Oh, Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. Yes. I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't be bros in this new sort of world shape. They would not like each other. No, but, it's fine, I guess. Continuity is the devil. So, I, I I think it's it is a very sort of comic book guy thing to to stress about. How dare you? Yeah. How dare? How dare you? Are you just a spy? A, a wizard did it. Um, I, I see no reason to say do not buy. I take genuine joy from this book. Is that Brother Voodoo? I didn't even read. I don't remember reading the name. Doctor. Doctor, oh excuse me. They he changed it cool. to, be, like to be less racist. I'm pretty sure they. That is probably a good move. Then, yeah, 
That's my. I mean, yeah. I don't think they've ever actually come out and said that's why they did that, but it's ex- it's an acceptable like read between the lines reason. Yeah, I think he. I think he looks pretty cool. He does I look like very good. The way that he's drawn in this. Mm-hmm. I like. I. I just. I don't know. This is a thing that five years ago I would have. I don't know. Ramos has been kind of worming his way into into my heart like a heartworm. Oh God. I, I I enjoy his work. I mean, the I'm, metaphor kind of spun out of control. I'm a little mushy. Um, I I don't know. It's, I have I'm a little he- I'm hesitant. I I would guess. I would I I'll say that's a mush meter too. I'm a buy mush meter too. Okay, which gives us double buy mush meter I'm, one. I'm a, I'm a zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, giant size X Men. Uh, Jean Grey and Emma Frost number one. Story and words by Jonathan Hickman. Story and art by Russell Downerman. Colors, Matthew Wilson. Letters, Clayton Cowles. There were words in this? There's a little bit. <laughs> Not a lot of them. Which I believe yeah. is why Russell Downerman got story credit. Because yeah. there's not a lot of dialogue. Um, it's mostly, it's just the first couple pages. And then Gene and Emma. It's written Marvel style. Yeah. Gene and, Gene and Emma go into Storm's mind. To try and figure out what's going on. I don't know. This comic's good. It's it's fucking neat. I, yeah. I've always liked storytelling, um, nonverbal storytelling in comics. And this is strong and I like the stylization. Like that's the that's the sassiest, bitchiest Emma Frost I've ever seen. And I really like that. Yeah. It's actually there's multiple pages in this that are calling back to pages from Morrison's X-Men. Like, literally, the art is very similar. Like, the posing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, is interesting parallels. Um, Hickman's done that multiple times with different eras of X-Men comics. Uh, using clear parallels between them in the art. And then posing and stuff like that. Um, the art is gorgeous. We've sung the praises uh, of, of Russell Donnerman it- before. It's well, I mean, yeah, don't really need to reheat that old that old that old biscuit, but this is this is really like mind numbingly beautiful. Really just a delight to look through. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I I would I would get prints of nearly every page. They're just absolutely just so neat looking, so cool. I mean it's the perfect way to let an artist mm-hmm. kind of go crazy is like hey you're you have psychics you know like navigating a mindscape and trying to you know only save one of their friends uh more uh you get more evidence of a the 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 the, the gene logan cyclops triad going on here no that wasn't this book wasn't it mm-hmm <laughs> Scott and a Speedo. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> but fucking weird. Uh I'm a buy. It's great. It's worth like 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 Eric said, like it's so beautiful. Like it's the art alone is a selling point, but this it's telling the storytelling is also very strong and very and really well done for a, with no almost no dialogue. So I love that. Scott and a Speedo Scott and the Speedo. No, Scott's yeah, Scott. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm the, getting I'm getting ahead of myself. The first two pages, they have Gene walking up with Cyclops. And then she kisses Logan on the cheek, and then Cyclops is staying there 
with his hand on Logan's shoulder, and then they're just sitting, I guess, outside the sitting like hanging out while they wait for their for Gene and Emma to come back from psychic world psychic chamber yeah smell flowers apparently that's mm-hmm. what Logan's doing uh double by giant size X-Men Gene Gray Emma Frost number one next up X-Men number seven written by Jonathan Hickman Art Lee Neil Francis Yu colors Sonny Go letters Clayton Cowles another peek into I mean Another aspect of this new X-Men status quo and religion and death and all this, you know, what the afterlife is and in this weird place where and what happened, like, they didn't forget about all the mutants that didn't have their powers. They got depowered. Ickman has had had all that stuff in mind. And what happens is you got a sword fight with fucking Apocalypse. Mm hmm. (laughs) It's pretty grim. Hey, you want to come back with your powers? You gotta try and kill Apocalypse with a sword. <laughs> what happens when you win? I mean, I pr- you probably get your powers back either way. Like, you just gotta try really hard. Like, I think they just want to make sure you keep trying. I don't. I don't. I think the answer is you don't win <laughs> ever. <laughs> I I imagine so, but like, I feel like that's. I feel like that's a reasonably interesting question. What happens when you win? I mean, I think either I think either you win, either way you win or lose, you get mm. you you uh come back with your powers, but but you have to win or lose. You cannot give up. Except you unlock an achievement. Yeah, you get a little a little noise, a little yeah. musical cue yeah. pops up in the in your in the corner of your vision. You're like, this is this book is hard to read. Is it? It's it's really I don't know. It's like a really intense thing, like the juxtaposition of this little little depowered mutant wearing a flower crown being killed by a giant god man yeah pretty it's a lot it's uh, it's heavy he's literally beating her to death yeah with his fists there's fucking blood flying everywhere i mean he ended the bronze age (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was him it was me it was that that dirty fucker (laughs) so i don't that that you know by attention yeah it's it is hard to it's it's like terrible and awful and then you get but you also get this this juxtaposition of this terrible brutal thing happening and kurt and scott talking about you know oh we're gonna start a mutant religion which again hey nightcrawlers religion you know religion and belief in god all awesome stuff very strong mm-hmm. stuff throughout the history of the X-Men and retooling it, recontextualizing it for this new status quo. Every every issue of this, Eric, every issue, I'm like, what are they going to do? They can't just keep hitting home runs every issue. Not every issue is going to be great. And then it keeps happening. I keep going awesome. They did. They Hickman took something, recontextualize it, changed it up with a new status quo, makes it make sense. I, I I imagine that there's like several spiral bound notebooks, like a stack of them, of just batshit crazy X Men ideas that he's been forbidden to use for years. I imagine he's got he's got ammo to spare. We're gonna have a lot of scenes of Apocalypse beating the shit out of lots of little girls. 
It's going to go on for a while. I don't know if they're going to show this many more times. Maybe one more time. Maybe they'll hey, apparently up it's a it's a it's an important mutant holiday. You got to you have to bring those depowered people back somehow. Give them their powers. Mhm. You have to murder them. It's going to take them a while so they though. can so they can come back to life with powers. They got to get you know go uh egg egg has got to yeah help him out he's not 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 gold balls nope egg he's just he literally is called egg he's not even gold egg no he's just egg it's so bad it's better than, like it it's you want are you holding on to your gold balls but that is marginally it doesn't have it doesn't have balls in it <laughs> so like you can take him a little bit more seriously but like he's just, if if someone walked up to you and like hi I'm Egg I'm like oh what uh in three years you'll just be like yeah it's fine Egg I mean I'm just gonna shrug it off I'm more I'm I'm more um caught up on the giant god man punching a little flower crown girl to death I mean you gotta do you need someone to do that job I think Apocalypse is probably the guy to do to get that He's, done yeah I mean some some motherfucker is gonna be ice cold uh, I'm a buy it's, it's gonna X, be him X-Men's number seven if it's not clear yeah he 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 didn't blink when he ended the Bronze Age he did not that's uh, a double buy X-Men number seven our last book this episode is Billionaire Island number one uh, story, Mark Russell, art, Steve Pugh, colors, Chris Chuckery, letters, Rob Steen. From the creators of Flinst- Woke Flintstones and, Snaggle- mm-hmm. and Snagglepuss. Uh, the book that feels all too prescient. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Billionaire Island, where billionaires go out to this uh, art- the near near future setting. Uh, you know, probably 20 or 30 years from now, which is really terrifying, honestly. Um, <laughs> where they literally, billionaires literally put people in hamster cages. Literal hamster cages, yes. This book is not trying to be subtle. It is certainly written in bright colors. What do you, what do you think, Eric? Do you like this? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. I kind of didn't, I kind of didn't want to, but these people... <laughs> They they speak to my my Antifa sensibilities a little too a little too directly. I I I do enjoy this dumb shit and and super corny satire. It's it 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 feels kind of transmetropolitan. It does almost very not 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 quite as gross yeah. and full of. Derek Robertson crazy garbage, but like kind of vibrating on the similar wavelength. I I I like it kind of a lot. Yeah, I like it too. And I think that's it it really is I mean, to make satire now, you have to go insanely yeah. dumb. Like it you, have, you we, have to go ham on your satire. Yeah, you literally have to have like like literally Frank Castles in this comic book. That dude is yes he he's very where is he where is that dude that is a diff that is the backup story yeah that dude is um, climate disaster Frank Castle standing in standing in the flooded ruins of Miami mm-hmm. yeah Transmetropolitan is a very good comparison point uh, and I really 
liked. I mean, hey, guess what? I really like Transmetropolitan. And I think that book is actually, of all those, of all the books of that time period, that is the one that is actually the most prescient nowadays mm-hmm. when you look back at it. And this book, I think of, I think of the Smiler a lot. I think of, I think of the line where it talks about how people in exit polls, or people will say they're going to vote for this, but at the end of the day, they just want someone to brutalize them. I feel like that is a little too on the nose, and it makes me hate Warren Ellis. <laughs> I, th- I think of it all the fucking time. I'm like, God. Does that man understand human the, the terrible human nature? Uh, and I don't know. Mark Russell's operating on the same wavelength in this book. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens in this thing. Uh, I'm a buy. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a double buy. Billionaire Island number one will be uh, is our last comic book for this week, or less floppy for this week. But next time we'll have more. That was me closing the lid to my iPad. Give it a little, get some Foley work going on in here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Cool. We, Foley work. You got That's me. That's what I thought you said. Now I realize you said Foley. Well, I mean, both are good. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Mick, Foley, Mick Foley work would be jumping off the top of the hell in, of hell in the cell. That's plummet, true. Plummeting 20 going, feet. Going, going through a table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part show. Eric and I talk about what we've been up to in the past couple weeks, what we've seen, played, read, or done. Eric, what's going on? I don't know if you saw. I didn't post a lot of updates from it, but I did St. Printersburg yesterday. I saw highlights on your Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. That's how I communicate with everyone nowadays. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's, it's got to be it's got to be very indirect. It's a lot. I can of... only I can only talk to people through Instagram stories and podcasts. <laughs> That's it's my missives. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like the vlog brothers. Well, it's the only way we'll converse. Um, Saint Printersburg was fun. My friend Caitlin Crockett is one of the organizers. Um. And it was it was interesting because it was just a basic um, art market. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of them, you know, mm-hmm. so they just had multiple markets happen all over the place. And even in this spot all the time in, in St. Pete. And um, but this one to be focused specifically on printmaking, it was kind of nice and interesting to be able to put that stuff kind of at the forefront of what I was um, showing off and advertising and to talk about, to talk specifically about prints and printmaking and not have to explain, you know, the basics of that over and over and over again. That was real nice. (laughs) This is a thing that's very challenging um, about uh, really any kind of market. Mm-hmm. You know, cons, anything like that is all the talking to people about your work or about this or that. It's I don't know. I, like, I find I have to do a ton of work to sell anything. I have to have long conversations and people do not just like come up to me with a thing and like, I would like to buy this. They 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 really want to 
like have the conversation and buy in. And if I don't do that legwork, then they are not interested. So it's very tiring, but it's nice to have part of that conversation already started. If there are other print fairs, I might, um, I might try that as well. But that's about all I've got going on. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't do much, uh, other than watch cooking shows on YouTube and professional wrestling. What I, then, I need an up, do, I need I need artwork. I need an update though, Matt. I need an update on Matty Matheson. I've watched all of them. I really like that guy. <laughs> Matty is the best. Okay. I I have watched I watched his whole channel first, I think. Okay. Um I watched I think his stuff on Munchies and Vice is actually better, but like I get where you're coming from that it really does seem like he's trying to he, he's he's doing a bit, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's a very like it is almost satirical, you know, that, that it, it's all I don't know. Like I, I can I can believe that the fuck ups and things that are happening on the show are probably real. But like they lean into it and try and tell a story about like it's a dysfunctional cooking show right because watching all of his other zillions of videos the guy's really quite adept and is very smart and thoughtful and extremely talented and i like all that stuff and he's also a little bit nuts and i i like that too i just i find him very interesting and compelling i mean obviously a lot of other people do too because all of his stuff on munchies they're like a million views, two million views. Some of them might even be three or four or five. So he's very big on YouTube outside of this channel. Not a thing that I was aware of until you brought him up to me. But he's he has taken the lead on um, my favorite YouTube personality, which is honestly fine because Babish is like just the human equivalent of ASMR. I don't really find him particularly compelling but he is like a you know in terms of a food personality like well let's just say an on-screen chef it, it, his videos are interesting enough for that matter but maddie maddie's the best okay i needed i needed it i needed that update needed I, need, I, I needed to know like no tom, maddie's 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 great like tom petty tom petty once said needs to know well, I'm happy to give you Maddie updates. I'm 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 officially a fan. I I want his book. His is um he has a little bit of a um a white trash sensibility to his uh, his cooking, and I greatly appreciate that. He's like a he seems like a Canadian redneck the way he cooks. He does. I, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 boiled dinner episode <laughs> I skim that really scum. warmed my heart i liked it i really did you gotta skim that scum well, eric you do, he's all about skimming scum he's it, it, it's there's continuity there mm-hmm. there's it's, definitely it's some weaving scum skimming continuity. weaving weaving narratives yeah it's true god hey, maddie hey eric Maddie has a neck tattoo. He does lots of tattoos. <laughs> His tattoos yeah, everywhere. But that's that you can get a neck tattoo when you have a shitload of other ones. That's true. 
I, we should, I don't know, I don't know if we can broach the topic of Cody Rhodes' tattoo on his neck, because we'll just been talk, we'll be talking about it for three hours. It's gonna be like a, we, let's, a we'll in, put in a, depth. We'll, we'll set, we'll set a timer. <laughs> we should probably, we didn't really talk about Revolution very much. I mean, um, it was a great show. Best. Yeah. It was, no, it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. Even though Cody Rhodes' neck tattoo is very distracting. <laughs> Oh, it ruined his match. I was so hyped up for it before, but I, I don't know. It kind of, it's upsetting. I think it'll be, it, it it'll did, be fine yeah, once I, you get used to it, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm acclimating. I'm, I'm, there's a point where I'm not going to care. So they're probably better off not talking about it much. But I am always going to roll my eyes a little bit when I see him in that crisp looking suit with a fucking neck tattoo sticking out yeah it does not look right cody it's like you don't but eric but eric don't you get it he's putting his neck on the line for that that's so dumb that's i i don't that's just it's so it's so ignorant man it's like I'm not. I just. That's what people said. I don't think it's. It, you should. I. He should have used. He should not have been debuting that neck tattoo at that moment. I. He. No. Did, he did not understand what. I don't think Cody understands that most people think what is like. I think mm-hmm. you know Cody is. At the end of the day, he is a Rhodes, and they are. They kind of sometimes exist in their own little. Yeah. World. Yeah. Um. I think that's that's true. Revolution was a great show great one of the best tag matches i've ever seen it was fucking incredible worth the price I of admission was, alone I was completely wrapped by it i couldn't look away you get orange cassidy versus Pac. pack that, that was a banger great match i love orange cassidy he's my favorite he's my hero mm-hmm. i used him in my D game <laughs> basically suck. basically not real not like officially it's not like orange cassidy shows up but i have a character that is literally just like he just answers all the questions like Probably. Sometimes you gotta get wet. It's true. It's true. I played some video games this week, Eric. That sounds similar to your catchphrase. You know, you gotta give it nuance. You gotta let it give it room to breathe. You know, the, all all the nuance of a neck tattoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the first one I'm gonna talk about is called the Coin Game. It's on Steam. It's an early access. Um. It's a very strange thing, but you're you're a kid. Like, there's no story to this. I don't want to like. There's no story in this game. But you are a child on an island that just has a bunch of arcades in it, like carnival games and stuff. Like, and you just have a golf cart and you drive around to these. Like, there's a gas station that has also has you can buy scratch off tickets and just with your win win fake money. Uh, but you're like ticket machines like you know when you go to like uh Mm -hmm. like we went to uh, treasure island fun center it's like the the shitty the shitty machines that that only children play yeah but it's just like all those different games like you can you just it you're it like you're on this island and you drive around and you go to these different couple different arcades and you just play them and you can just like and they rep 
and they model all the physics like there's skee ball machines and there's claw games and there's like the little coin drop machines there's all like they're all the bigger like all the arcade games are like they don't have like video game games in there but they have like the ticket video games in there it's very strange it costs eight dollars and it's like i don't know there's a bumper cars and like you can play yeah. go-kart and go-karts in it <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and like, I can't believe that someone would take their time to like simulate all this stuff. Plus there's like little egg men, yeah. egg robot people. All your friends are little robots. <laughs> you like, it's the, like the premise is, Oh, it's your birthday party. And then you have all these, all, whatever you do well in a, a game, like you win something. The little egg robots come up to, and just start dancing around you. <laughs> I'm seeing in the video he's got a pet goose. Yeah, you can unlock stuff by buying stuff with tickets. But apparently, like, the plan is to make this whole island, like, an ecosystem. And the long game is, like, you have a story mode where you, like, do odd jobs and make money and, and work, like, I don't... So so basically, this is all the bullshit parts of Shenmue. I mean, you, I think you mean the good parts of Shenmue? I mean, I said what I said. Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. No forklifts. I, I like Shenmue, though. Whatever. I'm going to drive you, a forklift. When was the last time That's you played? how I learned. When was the last time you played Shenmue? You know... You don't gotta quiz me on everything. I watched When's the last time. When, when did you play Shenmue? I, I watched a playthrough of Shenmue like last year, and it does not age well. <laughs> Shenmue is a game from like two thousand or two thousand and one. Yo, leave leave it alone. Man. It was ambitious. You know what else is ambitious, Eric? Death Stranding. <laughs> Fucking a lot of people love it. Yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the PC version to come out. Everyone mod out all the story. I don't have to deal with that <laughs> garbage. All right, that's the coin game. The other game that I've been obsessed with this week, ever since I learned about it, it came out this week. It's called The Longing. I posted a, a, you a screenshot on Facebook, which you liked. So I know you saw that the screenshot of a big king <laughs> carved out of a cave. Um, I'm, I'm, I need to go find it. It's called The Longing. It's on Steam as well. It's $15. It is, I described it on Twitter as Animal Crossing, but if it was designed by Werner Herzog. It is... What the hell? It is an insane premise. Because you literally start the game as this little, you're like a little tiny shade, you're called, but you're birthed. Out of nothing, you're created whole whole cloth from by this king who lives in this giant palace in a cave system who's carved out of the wall. He 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 births you as his servant, and then tells you, "I'm going to sleep for 400 days to to build my power back up. I want you to wake me up in 400 days, and then." the game starts with a big timer on the top of your screen that is counting down in real time 400 days. So immediately it's like 399 days, 23 hours, 57 seconds. And it just starts counting down second by second. And you're a little shade and you have a little room in 
the game that has like a handful of books. Like literally there's a copy of Moby Dick, which contains the entirety of Moby Dick. So if you want to read Moby Dick in the game, you can literally, but like, and you could, and the, and the game runs, the timer runs even when you're not playing. So you could literally buy the game, go put your guy in his room, sit there. And then 400 days later in real time, in real life, check back into the video game. The timer will have run out and you can wake up the king. However, you can also, which is, you know, I think what they, I mean, I don't think they actually necessarily intend you to do anything because you can play it however you want, be some mess with this weird systems. But you soon discover as you start exploring this palace and the, the ancillary cave systems, as you you find stuff. You find crystals, and you find paper and, and chalk. You find more books. You find materials to build a bed. You find mushrooms that you can plant inside your, your, your little house, your little cave, your little room. And as you populate your room with more things, as you put drawings up on the wall, as you mount things to your walls, you build a musical instrument, time in your room starts passing faster. So not, where I'm at right now, I've been playing for a week, not even a week, for every roughly two seconds in real life, seven seconds pass in my room. And as you explore these cave systems, you find more things that you're like, oh, well, I need to close. I need to jump. There's a big gap in like a, a passageway and there's no way to get across it. But hanging above it is a big stalag stalactite. And... <clears throat> You can you your character goes, oh, that looks like it'll fall probably in a week or so. So basically you wait a week and then you come back to it, which I literally did this morning, and the stalactite had fallen. And now I could get across this gap and I could explore what was beyond it. And there's multiple and multiple things like that. Your character's constantly like thinking about like what's out in the the, the your king has told you, don't leave the caves. And you're like, well and you're so you're constantly like, Well, should I leave the you know, you're like, your character is like, we can't leave the caves. It's dangerous. It, it's the light is outside the caves and the light will hurt us. And so you're like, there's weird existential questions going on with this little guy as you're just kind of like exploring these weird cave systems. The other thing I, th I definitely should mention, your character only can walk, never runs, ever. That's what the, the reviews are saying is the... He walks glacially slow. He does. And this the game is made so that, you know, you're not really in a rush to get anywhere. You're not short on time. Once you're outside of your room, time runs at normal speed. So, like, a second is a second. You have 400 days to kill. It's not a, you're not, you know, it's not a rush to get things done. It's more or less like, I'm impatient. But this game is, like, half-idle game. You know, it's not meant, you know, you're not supposed to be actively playing it most of the time. And I think that's what people want, maybe. They're like, I want to play it. And like, well, you're supposed to just like do a thing and then leave it alone for a day and then come back mm -hmm. and do something else and then leave it alone for a day. It has a really interesting checkpoint system where if any if you anywhere you visit in the cave system, you just you can click on a you know on a like a button and you will memorize it basically. And every, if you ever want to go back to that spot, you just click that button and he'll walk back there automatically. It will take a while, probably, but all you do is click the button, minimize the game, and go do other things. Oh, God. 
it's cr- like there's part of it like literally the game is it feels like you're a crazy person sometimes when you're like oh well i guess i can come back in two weeks i can go back to this spot and get the thing that's i can clearly see something that i want but it's on the other side of this thing i need to wait two weeks for it to happen like there's a big drop right now i'm waiting this is what i'm currently waiting on there's a big drop and if i try and jump it the character stops you because you're like oh i'll break my neck but there's moss growing on those rocks so you wait a couple weeks the moss will have grown up enough so that there's some padding down there and once you jump down there you can clearly see a pickaxe that you that i you know you get a pickaxe you can start carving away at different walls it gives you a little more more like stuff to explore i find it very strange that this 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 makes me think of a couple of things and it's not games that I've played, but it's like discussion, like a couple of channels that I follow. You probably know H Bomber Guy. I've heard the name. Um, there's also kind of kind of um, apocryphal to his channel. I'm not even sure. Related, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Curio. And the the video that he did... I can't remember which game it was on, but he's talked about No Man's Sky being a part of that. Uh, But he also specifically brought up Death Stranding. But it's like he called them loneliness simulators, which I thought was an interesting take that the, you know, like in Death Stranding, you never you don't really encounter actual people a lot, but you kind of feel the effects of what they're doing, particularly if you're playing it in the multiplayer but like this seems a little bit a little bit like that you know that it's just aggressively trying to give you those feelings about being incredibly isolated and alone um he also kind of brought up um firewatch but i i only remember he didn't go into it too deep the other thing that it makes me think of, H Bomber Guy did a long video about a cult game called um, Pathologic. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Yep. The thing about Pathologic is it's just like aggressive and hateful. Yes, that's why I don't play and, it. And fucks with you in in really weird ways. And it like kind of expects you to acclimate to it fucking with you and then it fucks with you in a different way and this this game feels like it's in all of those traditions (laughs) that it's like you're gonna walk aggressively slow or like whatever i mean this is this is not me saying something negative about it this is just sort of me kind of putting it in the context of games discussion and criticism that i've been digesting um it's has a really great soundtrack as well uh it looks gorgeous like the it's got these really nice hand-drawn like looking backgrounds it's really very pretty looking like it's like an edward gory cartoon almost it yeah it has that a lot of that for it too um it's also but it's also like it is very br- brutalist at times, but there's mm. also very sweet moments. Like at a certain point you're exploring and you encounter a spider, like another living creature, which you have not yet seen. And you just, you're like, Oh, I, I found a friend. And your guy is like this innocent. He's like, Oh, hello friend. And then you get da- like, you get down 
you you can have the option to try and get close to the spider and talk to it and then you accidentally fall and take out its web and then you're like oh no and then the spider's just like whatever and starts building a new web and then that you use that new web to traverse to a new area you can climb the web and you're like oh it's my friend is building me a new path and it's very like there's like these little moments of like optimism and hope in here and like as you build up your room and add newer things to it, add more paintings and stuff, he's like, "Oh man, I feel nice. It's nice in here." Like you're so sad at the very beginning because you're so lonely and your room's so cold and terrible. And then you build a fire and then you add more books. You put paintings up on the wall. You're like actually actively transforming the space and that something was so terrible into something kind of warm and welcoming. And it's interesting how they how the passage of time in this nice warm space, time moves faster. Versus out in the world in the cold, where, you know, this empty, desolate cave system and palace, where there's nothing else except remnants. And there's also like that, there's also like this in weird environmental storytelling where like it's in kind of even Dark Soulsian, where they don't tell you like what happened to this kingdom? What happened to this king? Where's everyone else? Why is there no one else here? Like you literally walk past an entire room, a vault filled with treasures and gold and it has a glass wall and you're like well and you're like well you can have the option to break the glass but he's like well what I, what would i do with all that money what would i do with all the gold i can't spend it <laughs> like what am i going to do with that it's useless so that's a, there's like some some mild uh cultural critiques in here somewhere i'm sure but it, i'm i'm invested like i want to know what happens when that 400 days are up and i wake up this king what's going to happen i want to know I haven't felt this way about it. I'm like Animal Crossing comes out in two weeks. So my whole life will be gone after that. And Doom Eternal. So I can juggle playing, you know, playing my little village simulator game and then killing demons. I will be playing Doom after WrestleMania weekend. Rip and tear till the job is done. Somebody's got to do it. Mm -hmm. You ready to talk about snipers, Eric? I mean, got nothing better to do. Okay. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdbo Book Club. Nerdbo Book Club is a part show where Eric and I assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book in a book club, except it's a comic book. This week we are discussing Sarah by Garth Ennis and Steve Epting. It's by uh, from TKO Comics. We, had, uh, we talked about that when it happened last year with their really uh, interesting release uh, TK Comics, their interesting release tactics where they release the, all the books, both in single issues and collected, all at the same time. Uh, Garth Ennis, the the guy, we've read a lot of his comics. They've given us some high highs, and they've given us some low lows. Yeah, about as low as it goes. Pretty low uh, with the boys, where we both were miserable. Um, Sarah is among the higher highs of this rather than the low lows of, of the, his stories. It's also relatively, it's, it's only, you know, six issues in length. So it's also relatively concise versus, you know, things stretching on for 80 issues or whatever, or 60 issues, which, you know, Punisher Max was 60 preacher. What is 80 ish? How many, do you remember any issues preacher preacher was? It was 80. I don't remember the number specifically. It was but like eighty something. That doesn't that doesn't seem unreasonable. Like it should, probably should have been sixty, but it was eighty. Uh, then the boys is way too long. 
But whatever. I think the boys should have been two trades, maybe. Maybe. And then at least been enough. Yeah. Um, do you what do you what do you think about Sarah, Eric? Um I hate that cute is the first word that comes to my mind, but I do that it's it how is it cute and grisly? It is. I would not this describe is, it as this is, uh, why is it no, cute? it is it is it is not. I I I I dislike that that's the first thing. It's just something about I think it's it's mostly Steve Epting's drawings, but this is this is this is a grisly ass fucking war story <laughs> because that's what that that's that that's that's what our boy does. Yeah, we have not we you know we've read like the bigger picture things of Garth Ennis. We have not read the many short grisly war stories he's written for various ones, comics. Right, the on, the only ones that are on my mind are both punisher adjacent right i mean he's but he's written probably over a dozen of short war story things for like a lot of indie publishers over the years they just don't get as much attention because they're niche largely you know because that is literally what they are um this got more attention because it was one of the launch launch titles for tko comics uh, because I think because of Steve Epting on it, who's a bigger name than a lot of the artists he works for for these types of stories, um, it is grisly as hell. It, I I want to say that he has done grislier stories. Oh yeah, sure. It's it's this, it's this is this is honestly there's there is there's a lot of blood in this. There's a lot of people getting shot, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, there's not people being chopped up and no fucking made into stew or whatever. <laughs> no, it is. It, there's a lot of death in this, but I would say for for Ennis for Ennis stories, it all it is very toned down. Is not really the word, but it, it 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 it's more sober. It's more respectful. It's not big dumb cartoon violence it's not a guy getting his face peeled off and then the face nailed to a wall it's it's not god what the fuck i'm trying to think about all the shit that happened to barracuda (laughs) that shit was just god what a ridiculous and i and i and i like that garbage (laughs) i i enjoy it this is trying to give a pretty realistic at least grim feeling right of what is going on like you it doesn't it doesn't feel like a soviet world in the way that stories were used to to being told um it doesn't have that kind of otherness to it like you 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 relate to these characters and that their culture doesn't feel so alien they just feel like they're in a horrible world and a horrible situation they have to deal with. Yeah, the violence and the gore are not the drivers of the heaviness and this and yeah. the, the grimness. Yes. It is more thematically heavy. It is allowing the setting and the situation that Sarah finds herself in l- deliver that heaviness, deliver that kind of awful grim feeling. Yeah. The the violence does feel like the deaths feel real. And not like cartoonish people getting chopped up and eyeballs and shit flying everywhere. I think, I think 
maybe the kind of first oh shit moment. I forget how far back it was, but they 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 tease it and then come back to it was um, the, the she's petting the dogs and they're like, don't get attached to them. We strap bombs to them and train them to run under tanks. And that says a lot about their situation. There's just very, very effective. It says a lot about the world. Yeah, this is not glamorous war story. This is not here. Like, look mm-hmm. at here. this isn't even like save, saving saving Prior Ryan does has its fair share of like grimness in it, but it still I it still paints these people. Look, they're heroes. They're you know they're 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 fighting for our freedom, et cetera, et cetera. This is even you know this is the no. There's no he, he, heroes. Yeah, she's a hero. She shoots people in the head from far, from long distance. Like, yeah, she's a hero. And then because she's a hero, she learns that her family was killed by her own people because to set an example like that, that's that, you know, there, there's this, 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 you know, this, when we don't discover that until later in the story, like fifth or sixth issue, we discover that, oh, you know, we discover early on relatively, oh, Sarah has no family. They're all dead. And, you know, we were told, oh, yeah, they were wiped out by the Nazis. And then. You have this heavy, this, this, the, you know, she is the stone cold killer. She operates alone. She is the lone wolf among her, her squad. Like all the others have a, a partner. She has no one. She's by herself. You know, that gives her, it, it isolates her among all the, the, the set main cast of characters, all these other female snipers. And you have this feeling that, she, you know, she's not only isolated because she's, she, works alone but also isolated inside their little subgroup um, of the squad like they seem to like all of them seem to have like a little bit of remove from sarah because she's treated as the best she is the most talented at murder and you're like you you you're you think it's oh because it's because she's so good at it and because you know it's because she has this desire to kill because you know she hates nazis they killed her family it, it's when you get that reveal it oh no nazis didn't kill her family the the secret police killed her family the soviets the kgb it would be it would become killed her family just as a matter of course as a matter of practice like oh yeah once in a while we make examples of people and then her family just happened to be it and we learned that her, the guy who did it, is got a metal pinned to him the same time she did. And you learn that she's been operating under this, like this turmoil because she is certainly fighting monsters. Like, yeah, Nazis are terrible, but also she's on, like, she's on the side of monsters. You know, like her, we can't, and and you, they have the that that lady, that propaganda lady. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what her like title was. It's like minister or prop something of something. <laughs> but she was constantly like, "Do it for the motherland, yeah, rah rah rah." Oh, this is a great story. We're gonna spread this around, kind of thing. That she after they take out the crew of Nazis who uh, killed, took over their tank, a tank uh, squad squadron or something. Um, I don't know. There, her, you know her her struggle with being put in the situation where 
she's fighting in a war for people who have personally betrayed her against an other side of like it it is like honestly it's more effective than all the blood and guts in the world to me Mm -hmm. being like this terrible you're like oh no how do you go on like this how what do you what are you fighting for at that point um and I think because there's so much less blood and guts, really, it's when you have it's when you see like all the other female snipers like get started getting picked off by this concerted effort to eradicate them. That's when you're like, it's just God over and over in this last couple issues. They're just like, oh well, yeah, they get stabbed by bayonets. They get you know shot, but they got a bomb dropped on them from an airplane because they made one small mistake, and you're they seem so invincible at first because they're the heroes of the story. Theoretically, it's really expertly. It really, it makes them feel, it makes them feel, it, it, it makes a stomach punch feel that much worse when they die. I honestly think this is Steve Epting's best work, at least that I've seen. Well, I mean, I do enjoy looking at it. Like we read the captain America book that he did, or at least did half of, I guess, but, I, I don't know. I, I certainly think that some of it is just that this was, hey, you just do the whole thing at a time and then we release it. There wasn't the push for a, you know, monthly book or whatever from superhero book. Um, but this book's really beautiful. Brightwe- Elizabeth Brightweather does the colors and they, those are also really, really good. The, 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 the whites and the reds and the blues really offset by the explosions and whenever there is blood it really is jarring because of the kind of the lack of color a lot of the time it never gets muddy though it's um that just means they know how color works and they just don't make everything dookie colored it's it's important where do you where where does this rate among ennis's stuff for you Eric? i would say very close to the top i feel I feel more like an adult reading this over reading Preacher, even in, in nowadays. I I feel like I'm I'm reading a grown ups comic book. Um I like it a lot and I, I wish there would be more of it, but it wouldn't make sense for there to be. Um I mean there's more Ennis War stories out there. I can't imagine I I I'm a little this this comic feels like the apology you know you get from an abusive partner you know like i'm i'm still cautious of picking up too much of his other stuff this is i i i had been told that this was excellent and it is basically everything that i had hoped for and we did like the first we reread that first issue before right we did yeah yeah I, I mean, I remember liking it then, and it was, I don't know, this was everything that I hoped for. Yeah, there's there's Garth and his War Stories, Volume 1, 1, 2, 3, 4. There's Battlefields, Volume 1, 2, and 3. He's, for a lot of this, for Avatar, a lot of it's for Avatar comics, um, drawn by a lot of different artists, but there, I, I don't know, I, I you can tell that that's a, it's so strange to me. And I, I don't know if it's just because Garth Ennis respects veterans a lot. Mm. And so he wants to make these, he doesn't want to put that, you know, that absurdity and kind of disgusting stuff, make it inlaid with these stories. He wants to give these stories gravitas. 
because you know they are representing real life people ostensibly people who you know maybe you know there wasn't a sarah like you know with this particular maybe a, a russian sniper lady in real life but there were certainly russian snipers female war female soldiers in the russian front and he wants to give them justice because they were real people it's so strange to me when you have this juxtaposition where you have the boys or preacher even which we like preacher mm -hmm. and yet you still and you but there still is that tone of like gross out stuff of like these absurd over the top jokes and yet when and then you read these stories like this and they're so somber and they're so sincere they're, yeah they're they're earnest and the, i i like i'm sure he thinks the boys is earnest at times i can't find it there why the difference does he hate superheroes that much because that's what everyone says i mean i suppose it could be true but i don't know the fact that he's gonna write more more of the fucking boys and not do shit like this it's just it it enrages me well i um, that that prequel to the boys will undoubtedly sell like 10 times what this does probably well i mean quality is completely irrelevant to sales unfortunately yeah i don't know it's it it's nice to read nice concise i don't know this story is very grim but it's also very beautiful in its in its way you know it's very like tragic I think that's a good word to describe the, the, the shape of it. It's like a tragedy and it, it does put weight, you know, it doesn't glorify war. It doesn't make it some cool thing. Mm -mm. Putting grenades under bodies and strapping bombs, the dogs, it's, it's ugly, right? It doesn't, it doesn't like roll around in the ugliness, but it's there. It's got basically just the right tone. He could turn it up a little bit more and it would easily be too much. I think, I think there is something, I think Epting, Epting does a lot to have the right tone for this, like Dylan or, or, um, Derek Robertson were, it would, I'm, I'm Derek Robertson, who am I thinking of? Um, yeah, no, he he drew. He drew fucking, the boys. Yeah, yeah, but also he worked on Transmet. I'm blowing my own mind here. Someone also sp sprayed a whole bunch of um, aerosol in here, and it's oh no, it's it it's all it's God, it stinks to fucking hell in here. Anyway, I'm I'm breathing Eric's, in fumes. Eric's brain is rotting. We're recording Eric's brain melting. Literally, yep. just it sounds like pop rocks. Um, oh, that was that noise. I understand. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Absolutely, I'm losing. I'm losing my place in this though. Yep. But it's just something like the artists were very willing to go along with. Like let's let's roll around and shit, you know. Yes, <laughs> with Garth Ennis <laughs> when when Steve Epting is like no i'm a serious artist i'm gonna draw this serious and i think he pushes it, it it's better he pushes him like ennis comes to him and that's better i i 
I can't imagine him writing a big dumb story and getting someone someone that draws comics that looks like this on board. He contributes a lot to the feeling of the book in general. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't think I don't think it I don't I don't I think that the best books, the best comics in general are the ones where the art the artist matches the tone of the book and their style matches the tone of the book, you know, and Steve Epting has drawn Captain America and spy stories and war stories like this and I think he understands what he's where he works the best and I think it absolutely proves true in this book um I don't know I I'm it's still like I I I'm 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 not I wouldn't say I'm surprised that I like this book I expected to like it because we read that first issue but I think like you said about Ennis, anytime I read anything from him from now on, forever, there's going to be a part of me that goes mm-hmm. bracing. Like, uh, yep, the uh, the shadow of the boys is in in the background somewhere. It's just waiting for us. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd I'd certainly recommend this to to most people. It's a really good comic book in general. Like, not to children, obviously, but you know. If you're looking for yeah, the, a good, the itty bittiest of babies, yeah, give it to like a four year old. Tell them about, let them show them the doggies, the cute pups. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who's they looking, won't, f- they won't understand that they're getting blown up. No, probably they probably won't. But I would they say don't really, they don't really show it. And that's, I mean, that's a you could easily use that to illustrate how gross the world is, how how bad this situation is. And they don't do it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like the the shot of the pit of bodies in um, Full Metal Jacket, you know? And I think that would have a lot more weight with an artist drawing it as opposed to putting makeup on some people and stacking them in a, in a, in a hole in the ground and filming it. But um, I don't know. That, that reservation feels good restraint yeah it's important yeah it 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 really does it makes me feel i i don't feel like i'm reading something for 17 year olds that with a fake id that that bought something they're not supposed to read i'm not i'm not too impressed with uh with that shit anymore no we've outgrown it if we ever liked it in the first place um anything else you want to add eric anything we haven't touched on um this is a little bit stuck in my craw it's almost a silly thing to bring up okay but i think i'll phrase it in terms of a question (laughs) do you think it matters because all the women with the exception of the one that looks like murder face uh are really they all they look like supermodels and I think that's a big part of why one of my gut reactions is this is cute. Do you think that's an important part? Is that just marketing the story? Do you think that's an important part of the storytelling? Is it something that you'd have a hard time talking Steve Epting out of doing? Um, the men just look like fucking soldiers. The women all look like 
they they're beautiful goddamn supermodels. Yeah. And I feel like that's except for the torturer, except for the the one yes. that the vicious she looks she literally at the end it shows it shows her as an old woman and she looks like Murderface's grandmother. I need to catch up on Metalocalypse. Um Do you never saw that episode? No, I saw one that. One of the few that I've watched. I've seen that one. I haven't seen like the last couple, uh, last season, I think. I haven't watched it. I need to. Um, that's an interesting point. And I think, you know, it, it reminds me of us talking about Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. Daniel Warren Johnson draws Wonder Woman. And how, you a, know, a homely Wonder Woman. Yeah. She's not, she's not a supermodel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that probably is... I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's if it's literally just Ennis going, "Hey, Epton, you can here's my description of these characters, draw them." You mm-hmm. know, or is it Epton, you know, you, he gets free reign over how the character designs to a certain extent and he wants to draw attractive women and it helps in the marketing if Sarah is herself attractive. Uh I I t- I my my gut says it's in, in between those two things where yeah, you want to draw pretty pretty women because most of the me- most of the people buying this comic book are going to be men and they want they'll buy comic books with pretty women in them regardless if they're killers or if you know it's a superhero book or whatever it's an unfortunate uh, reality of how characters are designed and that you know you've probably seen on various social media the complaints about how there's you know there's this kind of variety in the character designs of men mm-hmm. uh, when the character designs of women are all within this narrow range right um it kind of feels like an, it's an example of that but there could be some reasons for it a, th- a thing that occurs to me you know, we feel that gut punch you know but like th- th- uh, these characters we don't get we don't get a lot of um, humanizing moments of them. We get a little bit, you know, the petting the dogs, the petting the cat, um, things like that. We don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with them as as people, as women. We spend a lot of time with them as soldiers. Um, it almost feels like it's a bit of a shortcut, you know. You're watching pretty women get murdered. Um, I'm not saying that this is like fridging, but it still it 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 does so many things right. But it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a, it's you know I I I would love to, for it to be something about how you know there is certainly in this book there is certainly aspects of uh, the Soviets curating this group and publicizing them and making like oh they sell the war yeah. because they're women because they're you know like there's i there's certainly aspects of it where oh they're attractive women we'll put them mm-hmm. in the forefront i don't think that i want that would be great if that was the case of like oh yeah it's in this book for that reason alone i don't think that's the case i think that it's largely it's just real world marketing things and real world maybe even real world like ns and epting are like no well, i want epting's like well i want to draw pretty women and then is like well yeah make them attractive i don't know or doesn't say anything about it if even if he has an opinion i don't know 
I mean, it is certainly like you look at it is a certainly part of like, I don't know stories you know, about war you look at the prop- war propaganda and whenever there's a, a nurse in it or like yeah. a, or like you know the the famous picture of the sailor kissing that woman <laughs> or or pin pin up art on a bomber yeah they're all you know they're all betty page they're all they're all that and i don't know there's certainly like a lot of interesting things like in that in that discussion i think you could tell a really interesting story talking about that that i don't think this story has enough room or honestly i don't know if it would it's you know it's six issues it's relatively pretty it's pretty concise and tight honestly i like the i like that about it um but i don't think there's anything more to it other than you know it's easier to sell a book with pretty pretty ladies Mm -hmm. i mean the the actual uh, a, a, a woman who was like sarah would probably look more like grandma murder face and 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 less like I can't even think of, of of who this looks like, but you know they're all they're all very attractive, and I kind of feel like a, a hard life. Like certainly their hair is not going to always be fucking perfect. You no, know? no, they're 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 not always going to have like the perfect rosy cheeks. Like they they do a good job of like they do have varied and interesting faces and to an extent um, varied body types. Like it's not all exactly one note, but I would say the, the greater part of the group, they're all way more attractive than an average and any average Russian woman that is just happens to be good at, you know, sniping. That, yeah, that is a fucking elite soldier. Right. You know, Which I do kind of like the idea of them being picked also to be in the newspaper. And that's that's a a reasonable excuse to hand wave something away. But it is kind of bullshit. You know, it, it's a it's a little like it's a little like Hideo Kojima explaining away quiet. But. I, I think it does come down to, you know, a book about, I mean, people just like looking at attractive people. Yeah. Why they're attractive. Yep. It, it It's never, it, never going to go away. But I think like, I don't know, just for sexist reasons. I mean, I wonder if it would be the same if it were all, if it was, if it was a book about ugly men, would you feel would you feel that gut punch at the end? You know, I don't know. Probably not. Like, probably not. Yeah, maybe not as much. It'd be different. I don't know. I feel I do feel like part of it, part of the the emotion of this comes out of the fact that it is it, it is women. That the story has been built around the being women soldiers and that they're they're mostly attractive. It's odd it's worth mentioning and i think so yeah um think they'll do it i believe so okay that was sarah by garth ennis and steve epting good book uh next time we'll be we'll be uh, discussing the hard tomorrow by eleanor davis uh we we read her why art uh, and we are kind of surprised by it surprised by how much it affected us Uh, and this is her newest 
newest book, also getting a lot of rave reviews at the end of your list. So I'm really excited to read it and talk about it. Uh, that'll be next time. Read along with us. Uh, before we go, you can find us online, our website, handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Uh, links to everything there at Facebook, facebook.com slash slash handsome boys comics hour twitter at hbc hour and you can email us at handsome boys comics at gmail.com uh if you like the show give it a five-star review on apple podcasts or whatever podcast service you use uh those reviews help us find new listeners um you can tell your friends obviously and subscribe all that stuff helps we appreciate it uh, you can find me online on twitter at robbie dorman and my website is robbie which has links to my other podcasts and to purchase my novels my newest novel is underneath a horror story of frozen terror and paranoia set in antarctica full of body horror good for fans of the thing or the terror eric where can they find you and your things online well you can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com and see the other things i get up to ericsygoodnight.com is where i keep all of that uh including links to my various social media uh, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter. I'm known on all services as Easy Good Night. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Right.